Thank you for tuning in to Real Original. This week we're discussing I'm Thinking of Ending Things, a new Netflix exclusive. My name's Dave. My name's Suzanne. And my name's Sterling. And boy, is there a lot to unpack from this movie. This movie is is very abstract. It's, it's not straightforward in any capacity, and you never really know what's going on. Suze, let's start with you. What, what was your biggest takeaway from this movie? How did this movie make you feel? Um, I left, and my brain was spinning, and I didn't know what to do. And I honestly couldn't piece it all together until I had to watch like explanation videos on YouTube. Nice. I've never been a big fan of those explanation videos. Like maybe down the line, I'll, I'll watch one, but I kind of like to unpack it myself and sleep on it a few nights. Maybe that's where I went wrong. I didn't exactly give myself the time to think about it for a few days since I watched it earlier today. <laughs> Oops, procrastination at its finest. <laughs> well, you're, you might have to carry this podcast because I'm not sure how much I can really talk about this movie with just babbling incoherently. <laughs> Sterling, how did you like the movie? What was your big takeaway? I think babbling incoherently would be like talking about the movie perfectly. No, I'm um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, honestly, uh, it, it it's one of the rare movies that I've seen in the recent history that's actually made me think. And in a word, it made me feel uncomfortable. I guess in a second word, confused. But I think that was the point. Yeah, I think those are perfectly valid feelings to come away with. I can't imagine somebody watching this and not feeling uncomfortable and confused. So I guess if you're listening to this, I hope you've seen the movie already, because if you have any interest in the movie itself, you you probably want to watch it before listening to this particular podcast. That way you're not really surprised by, or, or none of the surprises are spoiled for you. This I would say this is a spoiler-centric movie. Having said that, let's just dive into it. Ostensibly, this movie is about a couple in a small rural town that are both simultaneously taking the next step in their relationship, visiting the boyfriend's parents, while the his, his partner, his female partner, is also thinking about breaking up with them, which is one of the meanings of the title of the movie. I'm thinking of ending things. So they go and visit his parents. Weird things happen. They try to come home. More weird things happen, and that's kind of a high-level overview of, of this movie. Do y'all have anything to add to that? Um, high-level, I think that that's dead on, and once we start getting into details, then I'm sure we'll have a lot more to talk about. Oh, yeah. The only thing I'll add is I feel like the title maybe had two meanings, like she was thinking of ending things in the relationship, but I also thought I caught some things where like she was thinking of ending things, like, period, if you catch my drift. Right. Definitely caught some vibes there, too. I think you're right, except when I thought of the the latter option, I thought that it was the man, Jake, Hmm. being the one to thinking of ending his life, I guess. Yeah, I knew going into this movie that there was going to be a a kind of a double entendre to the title of, of suicide being involved. So that wasn't really a surprise to me, but how it played out did surprise me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the players involved in the movie a little bit. Uh, This was directed by Charlie Kaufman, who has some other notable works, including Being John Malkovich, which I haven't seen. This was actually my first Charlie Kaufman movie. Interestingly enough, he did write for a TV show that holds a very special place in my heart. Do you folks remember the show Moral Oral? No. I've heard of it. (laughs) 
it's so funny and it, and it really spoke to me because the entirety of the show is first of all it's claymation it's very old-fashioned looking which which i love so it kind of looks like that rudolph the red-nosed reindeer cartoon that everybody knows about but the the premise of the show was basically it was a young boy that grew up in a very religious household in, in the suburbs and he was kind of sheltered. And then bad things would happen to him. Like he would suddenly get addicted to cocaine in one episode and have to kick a cocaine habit all in the span of like 12 minutes. Very funny show. Give it a shot sometime. I'm sure it's not for everybody, but it makes me roll with laughter. <laughs> so that's Charlie Kaufman. And the lead role was Jesse Plemons, who I'm familiar with from the Black Mirror Star Trek episode. Oh, wow. I didn't make that connection. He's also in Breaking Bad. The movie Game Night, American Made. He gets around. He He's had like a really good five years on his acting resume. He's really been in like everything at some point. So opposite him in the girlfriend role was Jesse Buckley, who I don't believe I've ever seen before in a movie, but she was arguably the main character or, or the co-lead. Like I kind of was surprised when she didn't get top billing. But ostensibly, she's from the movie Doolittle, and she's in the television show Chernobyl, neither of which I've seen. She's really good in Chernobyl, like, really good. <laughs> so I was I was expecting a lot from her, and I got a lot. Yeah, she was really good in this, too. Moving down the list, Tony Collette, who we've talked about on this podcast in Knives Out previously, and Velvet Buzzsaw before that. So she's kind of a recurring character here. She's fantastic. Yeah, we like her a lot. And lastly, we've got the father in the movie, played by David. I'm not going to try his last name. It's it's crazy looking to me. Uh, but he was in Wonder Woman. He played the villain in the Wonder Woman movie. I was wondering where he was from. Oh, okay. He was also in some movie called Harry Potter and the Goblets of Spacefair or something. I don't know. Right. Who cares? It didn't make any money. Okay, so that's the cast. Uh, so the main characters in this was Jake, the boyfriend, and nobody else really had a name in this movie, right? I watched it with subtitles on because I watch everything with subtitles on just in case. And the female lead was just referred to in the subtitles every time as young woman. Really? Okay. Well, yeah. I remember in the very beginning her name was Lucy. And so that's what I always thought. But, David, I'm sure you were probably going to cover this. But it did evolve throughout the movie to different names other than Lucy. Like Lucia or there was another version, or a Louisa. So I assumed it was Lucy, but then I really didn't know. I think at one point they called her Ames. Yes. Which didn't make any sense. Yeah, and she said it was short for Amy. So her, her name changed quite a bit, which ties into my theory that she wasn't a real character, that mm-hmm. she wasn't a real tangible person. And that all actually ties back to the very beginning of the movie, before they even start off on the car ride to get to the parents' house. This movie's snow is so fake looking it looks like a hallmark channel movie it really kind of took me out like the first five minutes of this movie i hated i hated everything about them and actually just to to be more honest the first 22 minutes of this movie i hated because that's how long they were in the car headed to the parents place and i was so bored in this time that all I could do was think about the 4-3 aspect ratio of the way this was filmed and presented to us, how it wasn't fully widescreen. And that was like the, my biggest takeaway from the first 22 minutes of this conversation. The only pro, the only compliment I can give it is that at 22 minutes, it was still uh, like three times shorter than the car scene in 1917. Oh my God. <laughs> Get out, Dave. <laughs> you can't kick me out of my own podcast. 
I know this is your podcast, but get out. <laughs> no, I'm right there with you, Dave. That, that seems like maybe five minutes. I don't Agreed, though. Like, I definitely, for the beginning, uh, with that long, long car ride, I, 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 the, I got a little bored, too, and, and I noticed... Well, that was one of the first things I noticed was the, the you know, the square, essentially, uh, format. It, it was surprising to me, um, but I, I feel like they, they made that uh, a decision on purpose, almost to maybe give it, like, a claustrophobic feel. Ooh. I mean, I think it worked, if that's what they were really going for. Yeah, I don't know the reason behind it, but the only thing that I could think of in terms of comparing it was the movie The Lighthouse. Yeah. Hmm. For, forgive me for asking, but did you see that with us, Suze? No. Okay, that makes me feel better because I don't remember you being there. Um, <laughs> so sometimes I forget who I've seen movies with because I used to go to the theater so frequently. But I know, Sterling, you saw it in theaters. I don't think we saw it together, but... Oh, yes, it's so good. Yeah, and, and this movie... This movie, I'm thinking of ending things. It reminded me specifically of three other movies. Uh, one of them was The Lighthouse, of course, but the other two were The Phantom Thread and Mother. Have either of you seen The Phantom Thread or Mother? <gasps> Mother is like next on my list and I've only heard incredible things about it. I want to see Mother because I like Aronofsky. Um, I have not seen Phantom Thread, but I've heard good things. Yeah, they're both interesting for different reasons. And Mother is a movie that I've seen once in theaters, Suze. Mm-hmm. I saw it during the movie pass craze and I was like, what the hell? I don't have anything to do tonight. Let's go see a movie. You probably invited me. And I, for some reason, probably said I couldn't go. I had to pet my dogs or something. Who knows? It happens. Well, it was it was fantastic, and it stuck with me. It's it's a very intense movie and, and very claustrophobic, kind of like this one was. So I think you'll enjoy it. Ooh. I hope you'll enjoy it. But the car ride there, the 22-minute scene of them getting to the parents' house, like I said, I was bored. I was just kind of ready for this movie to be over. I, I could tell it was going to be really pretentious in a way that I, I wasn't caring for at the time. But literally, when they when they get to the parents' house, I immediately just, like, fell into this movie, into its trap. And I was enthralled. I normally take notes just with the goal of putting my thoughts onto paper so I can't forget them when we talk during the podcast. My note sheet is almost empty after the car ride. Like, my brain just shut off and got on the roller coaster. <laughs> I don't know how you could like write anything down. It, it was so chaotic. Maybe is the word like, yeah. yeah, you'd start writing something down and then the scene would change. Yes. Yeah. And I was afraid I would miss something if I started writing stuff, exactly. something down like the screen had my eyes and my attention. One of the opening, one of the first things they do when they get to the parents house is they start to take a tour of the barn and it's really grim. They show some dead uh, foals. Was it foals? Baby yeah, sheep? Baby lambs. Baby lambs, yeah. Then they show this, like, ominous bloody spot where, where pigs died. I just kept thinking to myself, why the hell is he showing his girlfriend these really gross and, and ominous things? Yeah, that scene made me feel really bad. Oh, stop. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, like, also, I think that that's when he said this for the first time, because he says the same thing over and over again throughout the movie, but he says, life can be brutal on a farm. And I think that yeah. that's one of the first times he said that. And I was like, ooh, interesting. I wonder why. And then it immediately got creepy. Yeah. So inside, they start serving a meal pretty quickly after kind of hinting that there's something in the basement that's scary. Then they go straight into like a meal. 
And one of the first things that they show on the table is this big old ham. When they had just talked about the pigs that had maggots inside of their bodies and they were like decomposing while they were still alive and being eaten alive. And I don't know if you guys had the same thought, but I was like, is that the same pig? Well, did you notice too that the mom, when she was like setting everything out, she was like, everything here is fresh from the farm. Yeah, I did catch that. So I also thought the same thing. I was like, oh, that's that's yuck. I wouldn't eat that if I yep. were you. That's exactly where my mind went. But at the same time, everything put on the table looked amazing. Yeah, shockingly. But it also kind of looked like one of those dinners like your grandma would make with like the jello mold like dessert and stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I miss those. I-, I feel like I haven't had one of those in decades. <laughs> <laughs> you're missing jello in your life. Yeah. Maybe I'll make you some if you're nice. Aww. Now I got ham jello? Mmm. <laughs> okay. That's pushing it too far. <laughs> so during the dinner scene, they start talking about their lives and it, it kind of pops up that the boyfriend, Jake, is, is I thought he kind of came across as being mean to his parents because he started slamming the dinner table and, and yelling at his mother about getting the word genius confused with genus. Mm-hmm. Just everything about the meal was kind of unsettling. The girlfriend was like perfectly sweet and she was showing off pictures of her art to his parents and they were getting along pretty fine. But there was just this uncomfortable air throughout the whole time. During the dinner, they kind of zoom in on the dad's face and they made it clear that there was a band-aid on his right side, which came into play in the next scene, which we can kind of move on to. And the next scene, they're in the living room eating some dessert, and and the Band-Aid's no longer on his right side. Either it moved to his left, or an additional one was added to his left. I couldn't really catch it, but that was the first sign that, like, things were getting (laughs) messed with actively on the screen for me. When was the first time that you realized that things were being weird? Oh, I think it was earlier than that for me. I think it was when they walked in originally to the farmhouse, and that dog... Mm Mm-hmm. They had started shaking, like violently shaking, like it, its coat off to dry itself. And it like, it just shook a little too long. Like it was just long enough that you're like, is this normal? Is this, that's not how dogs are. And she, you could tell she made a face about it too. Yeah, that made me uncomfortable, but I didn't really flag it as inconsistent. I was just kind of like, what the hell? What is this? Oh, see, that's when I thought that like, there's going to be like a lot of like frozen in time scenes or something because of that. Just because the dog was shaking for so long. I'm like, okay, what else is going to be weirdly like stuck in time for whatever reason? That made me uncomfortable. But I think I, the first thing that I noticed that things weren't quite right is when they were having the conversation. Cause I felt like one second they were saying they were like physicists and then the next she was an artist and maybe I was misunderstanding. I was, you know, looking at it too obtusely. Like I assumed the artist was her, her job when they said that maybe she was just an artist ad- addition to a physicist. But that struck me as a little weird, the way the conversation went. Yeah. And just how it, I mean, all of the family dynamics during that table conversation were just kind of uncomfortable. Like when she was even explaining her art to the dad, he just kind of wasn't understanding what's the point of art or like art isn't cool if it's abstract. It's only cool if it's like realistic, like photography. It, and she started to get offended and didn't know exactly how to take it. And so I think that's when I was like, uh, wait, his personality just switched from like friendly dad excited to meet the son's girlfriend to now he's a critic of art and is kind of frustrated about his opinions. <laughs> yeah, he was very aggressive. Yeah, aggressive. 
See, I've known people that live out in the sticks like that, and, and they are aggressive with their opinions, and they have opinions on everything. So I didn't really notice any red flags there. It's interesting that you came away with that. But on Sterling's thing, I did notice her job flipping around, which kind of ties into another conversation point. Was anybody real in this movie? Or what? Who was alive? You know what I mean? Right. No, I'm right there with you. So I have some theories, but um, I, I think this was, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that they intended anyone to be a real character per se, except for maybe Jake. And, and I think Jake was sort of the viewer, but you know, I don't know if we want to dive into to my theories or anything like that just yet, but it, 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 I feel like most of the characters were tools to, to drive the perspective, not the narrative. Cause I don't, I don't know that there's a, a true like real narrative all the way through the film. I think that mostly it, it was, Anyway, I, I could go on, but but I feel like Jake was was uh, a proxy for the viewer. Interesting. I kind of got that from the girlfriend, the the young woman, because she always seemed to be confused and not really knowing what was going on, why they were going places. Like she was the one not sure why they were going to the stand-in for Dairy Queen, whatever they called it, and she was confused the whole time, the same way that I felt confused. Hmm. I guess I didn't think about that. That does make sense, though. I, I guess I assume Jake because he's the only one that has, like, an actual name. <laughs> yeah, I understood both points of view. I think I probably leaned more towards Dave's theory where I was like, okay, maybe the girl is the only one who's actually alive and normal or, like, consci- conscious. Just, like, I, I wasn't sure about everyone else. I wasn't even sure about Jake, like, because he kind of seemed caught up in his own head at times and so I wasn't even positive about him until the very end when I started developing a theory and then I came up with a different conclusion Ooh, spoilers for later in the podcast it sounds like yes well I'm excited so while they're in the home after the dinner scene after the dessert scene time starts skipping around for the parents like crazy The young woman wanders upstairs and she finds Jake's childhood room perfectly preserved. And she goes in and she starts looking at some things and she finds a book with a poem in it that earlier in the movie she had recited as her own poem. And the father walks in much more elderly looking than he did in the previous scenes. And he clearly has some form of dementia or or Alzheimer's, something like that, because he's struggling with, with easy words and concepts. He's... He's not thinking well. And this is kind of when the movie started to go off the rails because they show they show mom on her deathbed in the living room. Uh, before that, they show mom getting like spoon fed by Jake. Like the whole, oh, and then they show her being really young at some point <laughs> and like talking about baby food and how she spilled baby food on her nightgown. And the movie skips around just all over the place. I had no idea what was going on here. Yeah, I think that it's also where the movie started to go off the rails for me too, because then that's also when that baby photo was hanging in the living room and the girl was like, hey, that's my baby photo. And Jake was like, dude, that's my baby photo. And I honestly couldn't tell who it was as a baby to be honest, but yeah, it was like the different scenes of the mom, her age changed so fast and so rapidly that I was so confused. And 
also that's also when the girl went down to the washer and dryer in the basement and she like was looking through all of the clothes in the washing machine and it was the same shirt every single time with the same logo like the same uniform basically and then there was the another pan to scratches on the door to the basement and so all of those things together is where my mind really started to kind of implode and I was like I have no idea what's going on and all of the clothes, the uniforms that are in the wash, they all belong to a janitor that is originally set up as kind of a B-plot, a B-story in the movie. But then the, the B-story and the A-story come together at the end in a really interesting and, and confusing way. That make me think that the janitor is an older version of Jake. Did y'all come away with that? Hmm. Yep, that's exactly what I thought the whole time. From literally one of the first notes I took and I took four post-it notes worth of notes in tiny writing. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of the very first notes that I took was, is the janitor Jake? And I don't remember why I thought that in the very beginning when they first started showing the janitor. But then once they started showing all the uniforms, I was like, maybe it's maybe it's Jake like in the future. Or maybe it's Jake's dad. Or I don't know. It doesn't look like Jake's dad. But... I, that's when I started to see that there was definitely more of a connection to the janitor than I knew before. Yeah. The only reason that I started to think it was Jay, cause I certainly didn't get that quickly was just the fact that they kept cutting back to him. And it was, it was clear that the stories were coming to a head at some point, but I didn't know how, but once I saw the, the clothes in the wash, I knew that it was dad or Jake. I kind of had the same thoughts as you, but it's so confusing. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. My mind yeah. just kind of spins when I try to think back on everything that happened in that, in that specific time frame when they were in the parents' house. Yeah. And after she opens the washer and sees all the janitor's uniforms being cleaned, she goes into this other room and, and all of her artwork that she's previously shown on her iPhone is in that room credited to someone else. And her iPhone photos are deleted. Oh, that's mind-blowing. I didn't actually realize that those photos were deleted. Yeah, that's what she did with her phone when she pulled it up and started clicking around. She was going through her photo albums. Oh. Interesting. And all of this stuff made me think that she was definitely not a real character. Like, if Jake is the janitor, I think the parents were his parents, but I don't know who she was. Was she like an amalgamation of all of his girlfriends over the years that he maybe had regrets and that's why he couldn't keep her name straight and couldn't keep her job straight, her talents, her accent. Right. Like, was it supposed to be one girlfriend? Was it supposed to be the combination of past like lovers or was it like his conscience? Did he like name his conscience? And so they're going through that. And I mean, together. <laughs> See, I, I, I almost thought that uh, I, there were two theories that, like I said, I, I don't know that any of the characters were real. But the one perspective that I had that I thought all the characters were real was that the entire film was depicting like what it's like to have Alzheimer's or dementia. Because nothing made sense and things changed so fast and your memories were backwards. So I feel mm -hmm. like maybe... It could be that all the characters were real, and it could be that, that she was just a moment in time for, for Jake, and his parents were, you know, the different moments in time that, that they existed. And then maybe the janitor worked, you know, at his school when he was a kid, or maybe, like you guys said, he was the janitor. But I thought I thought it could be that, or 
maybe it's literally just a depiction of all these different possibilities, like on a quantum scale, you know, quantum physics kind of superposition is the idea. Like all the, all the possibilities are, are equally possible and you only know what happens when you observe it. The quantum physics angle is interesting, but it strikes me as not really being the case since there were so many specific themes and, and things that happened in this movie. Like when they go to the Dairy Queen stand in, there's like two beautiful blonde women there or, and they like resent Jake. They hate him for no good reason. And that struck me as being like a really strong memory, like something that happened and tied him to the story. So like that would have been something that happened in his life. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought of it, too. And especially, too, since their outfits and when they were going into that ice cream shop, they kept referring to, like, oh, Tulsi Town with a bunch of ice cream, blah, 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 eat as much as you want. When they finally met those girls, everything was very, like, 1950s diner type of a style. Hmm. Like, even their makeup and hair was pretty old school in that sense and so it made it seem like it was definitely something that happened in the past or like those characters were from a past memory and the third gal working in the tulsi town thank you for reminding me of that name (laughs) (laughs) no problem the nice gal that was working there who the hell was she right well she was female jake you think she had the same rash wait jake got a rash I saw them emphasize that, but it didn't make any sense from from the from what I thought the story was telling me that Jake was the real character. I'm not saying it makes sense, <laughs> but that's what that's what I took away from it. See, I I took away from it that if this is a past memory and those two girls were maybe like I don't know girls he went to high school with and they were mean to him or bullied him or something because they were pretty, then maybe this girl was like. You know, the, like, more shy but nice girl, even though she, like, wasn't all done up with makeup like the other two girls were. That was my idea, at least. Yeah, I had no idea what to take away from that, because they definitely emphasized the the scene showing their arms in the same rash. But that didn't really explain anything to me. (laughs) It made me more confused. Yeah, I still don't understand the rash situation. That's kind of where I thought maybe... Like I said, that, you know, the superposition, because, but again, that's, that's another story for another time. (laughs) Uh, Essentially how things can experience the same, but be, you know, different. Uh, If that makes, I don't know. I'm not making a whole lot of sense, but I'm I'm just confused. (laughs) Yeah, we all are clearly. So after the Tulsi town, the movie takes a turn where Jake wants to get rid of the ice creams that they've bought because he doesn't want them to make his car sticky. And they they make a detour to a school, the school that Jake went to as a kid. This is when the movie really kind of starts to pick up and get super weird and and simultaneously super interesting. Like, it's already holding my attention well. But from here, it just gets better and better. So in this scene, I think it calls back to something that Jake had said a few times, where students in the school, he would see them, or was it Jake? Was it the janitor? (laughs) (laughs) So... He students in the school would grow up and then just like become grocers in that in that small town and they never really had like a spark. They never really had friends. And I think that was kind of alluding to Jake growing up and being the janitor at the school that he grew up in. It, it's a contributing factor as to why I think Jake is the janitor in this story. Mm-hmm. That would make a lot of sense. But 
anyway, they park the car. Uh, Jake goes and throws out the, the burrs as they're called in the movie. And then they start to kiss and Jake swears he sees somebody watching them kiss, which I thought that part was really odd. Did, did the movie give any indication that they were being watched or messed with? The only thing that I thought of was, I guess, that they were all in that point in time. And so the janitor would have been the only one to see them. Other than that, like, I don't know where Jake would have gotten that from. It's just weird that the movie didn't give away any indication that they were being watched. Like, was there an air horn or some kind of noise that played in that moment? I couldn't figure it out. No, I don't remember anything that would have alerted it. I mean, we as the audience were watching. Right, but we weren't shown any indication that that there was a peeping Tom. Right, what I'm saying is it could have been a weird nod to the audience. Again, I'm not trying. I'm trying to make sense of a film I still don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. It was odd, but then Jake runs into the school to look for whoever was peeping on them. And after waiting in the car for quite some time, the young woman, she gets out of the car. She locks herself out and then goes to pursue Jake. And she meets the janitor during this scene. And and he offers her slippers in the middle of the hallway that he's buffing the floor of. And she politely declines. And he looks kind of happy that she declined. And then the movie (laughs) just kind of puts on its crazy hat. Like there starts to be dancing in the hallways for people that are stand-ins for Jake and the young woman. And then somebody else comes and stabs Jake, right? Yep. That's basically what we saw. (laughs) Why do you think Jake died in this dancing scene? Was it representative of his innocence or his prospects of like the future? Did his pride get killed? Right. I feel like it's got to be something more abstract. Like maybe something went wrong in his relationship with the lead woman and maybe this was at some point later in his life but maybe that's where like he would have i guess expressed that that's where he died or that's where he was stabbed in the heart or something i have no idea (laughs) (laughs) i can confidently say that the dance choreography was beautiful though it was amazing oh so impressive so young stand-in jake is dead on the gym floor with fake snow, and then the normal janitor that we're accustomed to comes and cleans up the snow around his fake theatrical deadness. <laughs> and then the movie kind of segues into a production of Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Oklahoma. No, 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 no. If people are listening to this podcast and haven't seen the movie, they're going to think we're doing drugs. Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't blame them for thinking that. The movie was drugs. Yeah. And the production of Oklahoma and the audience members, they all have like really comically, mm-hmm. almost almost comic-esque, like comic book-esque makeup, making them look old. Yep. What? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't, I really don't know. No idea. All I can say about the ending to this movie was I loved it. I love movies that make you think and don't tie all the dots together. Clearly it was a big win for me. I enjoyed it a lot and I'll probably be revisiting this at some point in the future. I think I, I think I need to revisit mother first and then the lighthouse and then this movie, but they all tie together as like pretentious art house, uh, esoteric movies that I just can't get enough. Like this is the kind of pretentious stuff that I love. Yeah, I, I, I can see myself watching it again. Again, like, it made me uncomfortable, so I probably won't watch it again real soon. 
but I'll definitely be watching it again to maybe maybe try and gain a bit of understanding because what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely feel like this was a movie that I should have watched multiple times before even trying to explain it to someone else. But alas, here we are after one <laughs> viewing <laughs> and I'm trying to tie things together along with the help of explanation videos from some rando on YouTube. <laughs> So here's a tangible thing that we can discuss and really grab onto. Why the hell was this movie rated R? Uh, language, I think. Do they really still rate that? Yep. Huh. You say the F word twice and it's an R-rated movie. Oh, really? Yep. That's fucking stupid, Sterling. <laughs> yeah, it fucking is. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> We're rated R now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they also like mentioned a few different things that maybe could have been worth R ratings. Like, they very descriptively talk about the pigs with the maggots in its stomach being eaten alive and it's a good point so maybe there's things like that well they don't just talk about it was it after the oklahoma production when we see the janitor leaving the school or was it before it was i think after okay i agree i'm so lost like i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) so after the oklahoma song with the the comically elderly makeup the janitor leaves the school at some point and goes to his truck and he starts to, he starts to turn on the engine and then stops and he puts the keys on the chair next to him in the truck and he starts to get hypothermia because he starts undressing. And I know that that's something that happens to a lot of people when they get hypothermia, their body is working so hard to generate heat to keep them alive that something in them tricks their mind into thinking that they're hot. So they take off their clothes. And he takes off all his clothes and he goes back into the school, followed by, well, actually, he follows an animated <laughs> cartoon <laughs> pig with maggots falling out of its tummy that's speaking. Mm-hmm. And I have no words. Nope. I have no words. Like, yeah, I think this is where the double entendre to the title comes in. I'm thinking of ending things. Because I think this is a future version of Jake that has basically decided to end his life via hypothermia or just via the cold. And he's having flashbacks, and that might be why everything happened preceding that moment. Uh, He was flashing back to his mother's death, to different girlfriends, perhaps. I don't have all the answers. I don't know. But that's my current working theory. Yep, that's pretty much where I landed. And, like, if you've ever like read or researched more into like, oh, your life flashes before your eyes when you die. What is that like? Which don't ask me why I researched that. I don't have a good explanation, but it's supposed to, supposedly people are saying that you don't see everything in like chronological order. And so plus the human mind is like kind of bad with memory. So they're, things that get mixed up and muddled and you don't remember everything correctly. For example, like, did you notice that Lucy or the main character or the main woman, her outfit slightly changed throughout the entire movie. Did it really? Yep. Yes. I missed that completely. I mean, it's one of the many things that changed about her throughout the entire movie. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's a good point. I I never really thought about that. You know, um, it could be, it could be his life flashing before his eyes. Do y'all have anything to add to whatever this movie was called? (laughs) My brain is shot. I will say it both felt as long as it was and did not feel as long as it was at the same time. 
Like, it feels like it flew by, but it also felt like it drug at times. Yes. Not in a bad way, but like in a like a, in a, a deliberate way, I feel like. Well, I feel like it was deliberate, except like, to me, it wasn't a great thing. So that like first car scene that took 22 minutes, but also there was a middle car scene where they were like driving to Tulsi town, I think is when it happened. But they were, the girl was just kind of like spouting off another monologue of something with a different, a slightly different accent. And I also got bored of that pretty quick because I wasn't sure where the hell that was leading to. Yeah. And she started smoking a cigarette and I was like, where did you find that? (laughs) Right. Well, at one point she was a whole different person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She was the person from the movie that they showed the bit of the romantic comedy that was in there for like two minutes. Right. What the hell? (laughs) (laughs) That's, I don't know. All I can say is it was a, it was a wild ride and I won't forget it. I, I, I really don't know if this movie is for everybody. You kind of have to appreciate film snobbery, at least a little like the pretentious art house stuff. You have to be me and Dave. Well, (laughs) Suze, you liked it too, right? Um, okay. No, you're okay. Maybe not. I can appreciate it for what it was now doing all the like deep thinking and stuff, but I'm going to be honest. My guilty pleasure is just the straightforward murder mysteries, almost predictable kinds of movies. So this one, I'm like, man, I had to think a lot. Also, it was pretty dark at times. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't think I could handle this kind of movie in every mood that I'm in. Like, I think I have to be prepared for it in the right mood. That's perfectly fair. That's how I am when I watch Black Mirror. Yes, exactly. I need to watch more of that. I've only seen like two episodes. Oh, definitely watch more. We're currently in season six. Oh, wow. You need to at least watch the Star Trek episode that that Jesse Plemons is in. I will do that this weekend. It's fantastic. All right. So next movie, let's pick something that we know is good and and simple so that we can have a nice fun laughing conversation about it. But it was fun for me from the perspective of picking a movie that I hadn't seen before. And this was one of the newest releases that we've ever talked about. Like every other episode on this podcast has been about a movie that's come out years ago. We haven't done any new movies. So it was fun to go into this as a trio and experience something that just came out and not really know what to expect. So I I definitely enjoyed this podcast episode and this movie from that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I miss laughing with you guys. And Dave, I feel like you just, I don't know how the world you could fit in more dad jokes and bad puns, but (laughs) maybe next episode we'll have more of those. This was just one where all of our minds were consistently blown and we're just trying to figure it out together. Sterling's in charge of bad jokes and dad jokes. Sterling. Yep. Drop the ball. (laughs) I'm not paying you now. You guys are getting paid? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that wraps up the episode, I think, pretty pretty nicely. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about The Devil All the Time. It's another new Netflix movie. That's kind of our theme. It looks so good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, It's got Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, Haley Bennett. Bill Skarsgård. It's, it's got a lot of good names in it, and I'm looking forward to watching it and discussing it. It's also based in rural Ohio. What? Yep. It's not a true story or anything like that, but... Ooh, I'm bored already. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bored already. Are they going to play cornhole? Uh, I think they're going to play corn... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought there was more to what you were saying there. No, that was that was the joke. Okay. <laughs>
Okay. I'm there now. God, I'm ready for bed. Yeah. Me too. Suze, Sterling, thanks for coming out and recording this episode with me. It's It's been a blast. To any listeners, thanks for tuning in. If you enjoy our episodes, please consider giving us a share on social media. We're always trying to find more earballs to thrust our words into. I can't believe I just said that. Anywho, stay safe and have a good night.